it was a place where I could go try. I loved high school. I could go do all these different things and it was all in one place, just like you talk about. That's why I, I do believe in the concept of the campus. But then we go into an environment where we don't have that. And that's what I did. And I, I was scared and I was lost, you know? I was definitely lost. I called it three dead years in the book. I just didn't know what I was doing and I felt like I was going nowhere. It wasn't so I called six out of 10 life. Like it wasn't so bad that I was like, this is like, it, it was like not, yeah. So it's like when it's not that bad, you don't make a change and you just stick with it. But, and, and I started to think like, wow, maybe I'm not, maybe people don't live eight, nine or 10 at, like maybe that's not re realistic in life. Maybe this is, life is a six out of 10 feeling or seven out of 10 feeling. Maybe it never changes. And like it changed. And What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. I'm Joe Weeby. I am 26 years old from Sydney, Australia, and um, the recent co-author one of eight co-authors in fact of a book called 18 and lost so are we which is about you know nine stories about people's journeys after high school and i'm super passionate about improving a lot of things with our kind of education system especially the journey after high school and how people kind of align themselves into the right pathways and open the right doors for themselves out in the out in the world and i don't know if you want a bit about my backstory so i kind of very quickly and it's very kind of jumpy and crazy and I write about it a bit in the book but I, I left high school wanting to be a filmmaker I ended up studying psychology from there I ended up being involved in co-leading a non-profit which did work in Nepal and then I worked in real estate and then when COVID hit last year I kind of got the passion to do stuff in education and the, the first thing we kind of kicked off with was um putting this book together as a new way of like learning in a group of people and contributing at the, at the same time. So yeah, that's, that's me just writer, thinker, interested in education, great at, great at karaoke, if I don't mind saying myself. And yeah, I never know where to begin and stop because I think we're all such multifaceted people and it's always, uh, you know, I don't like the, the amount of room we're given for a bio these days. And that's part of the point with education too. It's like people are very multi-talented and they have diverse great stories so yeah but hi i'm joe <laughs> i'm joe a lot of accolades there but that one of my favorite parts about asking people that question though is you either find out what people think is important about what they do or things that maybe they admire about what they do and what they're proud of because ultimately like what are you going to say to someone in 30 to 60 seconds about yourself and so you know you can tell like you can go read about people online and see what they do and all that stuff but the most important thing i think is what people tell you and you know, what are they proud of? I think is one of the kind of key things. So we're going to go back and kind of start your at the beginning. And so I'm, I'm interested. So you wanted to be a filmmaker. Why did yep. you pick psychology to study in school? Uh, I, I picked psychology because I felt like I had a really high marks when I left high school. And that actually ended up being a bit of a thorn in my side, funnily enough, because filmmaking in a lot of the, a lot of the people who um, were close to me was seen as a risky path 
seen as not as being safe, unreliable, whereas university or school related pathways seem like they could just get you somewhere as long as you did the degree and put the time in. So I was actually in the end quite scared and I felt like I needed a backup. And that's why like I looked at what the options were for in Australia for like our university system and psychology was just the one that interested me most out of the list. And that's how I made that decision. Like I didn't know anything about it. I didn't realize how much, how long I'd have to study. I had, I was, I thought it'd be very easy. Yeah. I just had no idea, which is kind of, you know, where all my current work kind of is very driven by. <laughs> Interesting. Can you, so to give a little background beginning, can you kind of explain how the Australian education system works from like high school into university and what that Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So we start in like age of five, six, which is the same as most places. And we have the kindergarten. Then we go, we have primary school, which is like kindergarten. Then you do years one to six, typical kind of grade school format, just like States and everywhere else. And then we have high high school, which is like, I think everyone calls it the same thing, which is year seven to 12. And then at the end of year 12 in my state, it's called the, the HSC, which is like equivalent of our SATs or something like that. We get a ATAR mark, which is a number out of a hundred here. And then our year, so we obviously Southern hemisphere, we, our years end in like November, December for school. And so then you start the new year, you know, your first year out of school, probably March. If you go to, you uh, we call it university and not, not college. Or, or school, we call it university all the time. And yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to university, you normally that starts, yeah, the March, the following year. And yeah, and we don't have the freshman year and, and stuff like that. So we kind of go straight in to like starting some sort of degree in like a first year and just doing all the, the subjects that are laid out, which is not, I don't think that works particularly well for many people at all. <laughs> and then and then we have a hex system to pay for kind of college university. So it's a bit different to the States in that respect and where it's like, it's yeah, delay. It's all the usual things with, with student loans, but it's just a bit less kind of, I think it's only if you're earning above a certain threshold, you have to pay it back or something like that. It's a few tweaks with it, but yeah, that's, that's a bit of the gist. And so are the programs typically, are they four years, three years? Does it yep. same? Yeah. Three to four years, some are five. Yeah. So psychology, if I was doing that, it's like an undergraduate degree, which is three years, then an honors year, which is the fourth, um, which I didn't, didn't do the honors year. I did the three before that myself. Uh, and then you'd have to go do further study and you do it. Um, so I realized looking back, it's almost the same amount of time it takes to become a doctor, but I didn't know that when I was started because I had to do post-grad study. And I had, I had no idea. So I found that interesting when I was learning, <laughs> going through my degree. You just don't know these things. Wait, so you had to do, you would have to do a post-grad study in order to get your, just your. Yeah, to be a practicing kind of clinical psychologist, which is like the traditional kind of, you know, counseling people through if it's mental illness related stuff or anything like that, rather than just having a kind of degree and becoming a, like a counselor or yeah. So there was further study to really get into a lot of the formal psychological career pathways. Okay. And then, so just a comparison between the U S and the States, obviously we've both been to, to our um, respective ones, but just kind of curious for like going to university, you said you don't have that freshman year. Do you still kind of have the excitement and the bond with people? Like, you know, I went to Florida state and 
I could go anywhere in the world. And if I see somebody, we're going to do our little hand mm. symbol. And uh, yeah, right, right. Great question. It's very different. We, we like I've noticed because I have a lot of friends for in Europe, in the States, in Canada. And the experience in Australia is it's much less common to move very far away from home for that time. It's, I know it's very common in, in the States and a lot of the culture that comes with it. So you have a really deep kind of culture with the college campus. It's very famous in all the movies and all that. We don't quite have that. So you might have smaller examples of it in pockets, but yeah, it's certainly not like if I see someone from Sydney uni or wearing like the, the lion or whatever they had um, on their shirt, I really, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say hello. It's just like, it's most people anyway. And uh, <laughs> so there's not that affinity. There'd be a very, very, very small percentage of people who might be like that. But yeah, it's not, we like, we have much more commuting rather than like, I don't know, living on, you know, living on campus or anything like that. And that real culture still have it, still have little, we call them colleges on, on campus in a lot of respects, but it's nowhere near to the scale. So it's a very, very different. It's much like kind of the high school experience in that way in terms of the culture and you know it's just more local locally driven so yeah yeah it is different in that way do you think that's where kind of your hesitation and adversity comes from when you're like viewing kind of higher education specifically like in australia and what your experience that's probably a part of it i don't think it's the whole thing i'd say it's a part of it because i think the level of community and the level of experience is really important because who you, who you do things with and the environment you're in and also being, being guided through things is something that really lacks when people leave high school. You know, it's kind of like the, the kind of high, our high school systems are very much like, this is what you have on, this is what time it is. And you don't really have to make all these complicated decisions all the time. And then you go from that environment and you go straight to the opposite, which is almost like being, it's like having a domesticated cat, <laughs> right? which is like reliant on you because it's grown up in the house and it's had a nice life. It's been looked after and it's everything like that. But then you release it to the wild and it doesn't really stand a chance because it hasn't been grown up adapting to the wild. And in my view, that is the main thing that like we're doing wrong is we kind of cut people loose. So we don't have like, it's more for me, I, I, I'm more about like the guidance is so lacking. Like I didn't, I didn't really, it wasn't easy. I don't know where to go to talk to people who'd done my degree. You know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I didn't even know what I didn't know about the degree and how it worked. I don't know how many credit points I needed. I don't know how many subjects. So there's a lot of those things, but just in general, like knowing what your options are. Like I, now, like I kind of, I don't know what my job description is. <laughs> I kind of try not to have one, but if it's, you know, very, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff which is very exciting. It's very important kind of that we have people like that because, you know, people like yourself too, of course, because th those people really move a lot of things in our society forward, especially, you know, our material technological development. So I didn't even know that was an option for me when I was leaving high school. With the, in the age of the internet, in the age of Facebook, I was a bit before TikTok and all that, but in the age before a lot of those things, I kind of knew, I knew business was, but I didn't realize that that pathway could be for me. I discovered it by accident. So one of the questions I always ask is how much of that human potential, which we could be very much exposing to and, and funneling into really significant roles in society in terms of making creative contributions and 
you know, entrepreneurs, how many of those do we miss out on because we don't make the funnel into that straightforward, right? In the same way that I, I looked at a book with all the kind of university pathways and they were listed there. And that was actually how I kind of made my career decisions or my initial career decisions, which is like this book, which is like, that's not even all the options, but that's how it was presented. It was presented like, these are your options. So I kind of take issue with that. Yeah, I'd say, because I think it's just broader than that. Those things are there and that's fine if they're there and hopefully they're good. The, the college experience, the university pathways, those degrees, they're there. But like, there's more to that. There's way more than that. And that's, we're critical. We're getting that so wrong. And we're we have a big opportunity cost as a result. We don't know what we're missing out on because we don't see who we miss out on. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. That's where I get a little torn. I had like a phenomenal college experience in the sense of yeah. um, like socially, you know, I got to live abroad for an entire year and then I got some really cool opportunities that would not have been presented had I not been in like that situation and just met some really awesome people. But then on the mm -hmm. other hand, like I got out of it, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea like what the future with my degree in IT looked like when I didn't really like IT. And so then I was kind of thrust into the whole thing of what I want to do. There's a lack of options. There's a lack of, of guidance essentially. And college essentially allowed me to stall that and postpone it for four years. And then yeah, yeah. when I got out, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. But at least other people seem like they're making it up or they're figuring out how to find this information. So I do, I do understand. And like, I totally agree on the one hand, but I also feel biased sometimes when I'm asking people mm. kind of about that, because I feel both ways. And it kind of depends on what, what we're talking about specifically about the experience. And so I think like one of the important things like going forward, and I mean, you know, you're working on it, building your community and stuff is like, how do you bring that community aspect to people? Because for me personally, like that's the most important thing that I got out of school was just purely yeah. the connections with people. And, you know, like I joined a club that I don't know. Do y'all have hackathons over there? Yeah. Okay. So I joined a club like I didn't, I liked tech sort of, but, you know, I ended up following a friend and we became like directors and we were like overseeing like, 30 40 grand to host a 400 500 person event which like i had never previously done but you know we were um tasked with this so it's just like things like that that if there's not the community then there's not ultimately as much of a pool for like beautiful point me personally and yeah. so i think you know with what you're trying to do like that's ultimately like the driving factor, right? You're trying to bring in all of these people to allow them to kind of to guide them, but then also show them that, you know, here are some, some feeder people to help you along as you go. Yeah. Well, I'll touch on what you said first and talk about what we're trying to do, but you, you raise a great point. Like you nev never throw the baby out with the bath, right? It's not, it's not, it's, it's a mistake. It's wrong. I will correct anyone. If they're criticizing the college system or anything that like I'll stop them and say like, you can't really, point a finger at the whole thing and say that that's just bad right because you got a couple of different things going on in there and scott who's my main kind of partner in the book project and the constant student community we launched together like inspired by the book he had an amazing university college experience amazing he's chapter one in the book he talks about it like it was the best thing he he, he found this he found that there's some there was a group in there, helped him launch his startup. He had an amazing experience, but the difference was Scott was way more proactive than I was 
So it's good if you're a proactive person and if you start going and trying things, you can make the most of it. Because one of the beautiful things you're talking about is the campus. Mm-hmm. Campus has got so much. That you never, but it's kind of like a, it's, I think of it like a phone app in that some, I've got this, I like if I use WhatsApp a lot or something like that, there's all these great features buried in there, but I don't know they exist because I don't go looking. And so the problem is like a lot of people don't go looking when they're in these places, they fail to take advantage of them. I was one of those people. I failed to take advantage of the environment I was in. So I'm, I'm less excited about the concept of degrees, I'm much more excited about the concept of like those campuses and the communities that can happen there. And those experiences you're talking about, those are like invaluable and they're there, but it's actually doesn't seem intuitive enough for like most people to actually tap into and make the most of that a lot of the time. And, but then the other elements, so you're talking about the community and that's a a really important aspect. And then I guess (laughs) what you've kind of hit upon is that when you leave that environment, you know, where is the kind of the community? Because it's still a great way to do things. It's still the best way to live in a, in a, like in a really kind of intimate community setting. The reality is like we don't, most, most places in the West, Western world don't really have, which does, doesn't make much sense. I think it's a movement that will hopefully come back. We, we're, so we're trying the context, what you're referring to. We started a community called the constant student, which um, like, uh, a lot of the members of the book are, are in, or the authors of the book are in it. And then a bunch of other kind of young leaders and young kind of, there are a lot of young people who are definitely multi-talented, who understand that there'll be more than one career or job they do in their life. And, but society doesn't really have a script for those people yet. They don't know quite where they fit or they belong. So a lot of them feel like they're outliers. Some, some of them have felt like the black sheep in their family. But ironically, they're, they're like probably going to be some of our biggest contributors because they, they think very, they're very open-minded and they think very divergently and they're very creative. And they're, and they're just very lovely people because they're so open. And so we actually have started a, a community of people like that. You know, most, most of them like younger slightly younger and you know that's been exciting because now they we do it um, we do it online and it's it's so it's like a private community so it's online so it's not necessarily run on facebook but we do a lot of zoom calls and stuff like that to kind of bring everyone together and help them with what they're working on and find things to work on and learn through doing projects which is really like the exciting way i think most people learn best is when you actually you talked about running the hackathon so the equivalent of that right? Getting into your own podcast, writing your own book or doing it in a group of people like we did, or, you know, this is how you can set up a a business online and just helping, helping people understand all the things they can do online is so easy, so cheap. And so just like having the kind of guide to help you go through it is just like the last piece that's missing or the guides. Anyway, that community model is something we're really excited about. Like we keep it a little bit hush hush because it's kind of like a bit of a you know, you apply and we make sure we get the, like the right people in there. But I think it's, I'm excited to see models like that going forward because you're hundred percent right. Like no one does anything. I don't think anyone does anything great alone, like alone, alone. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes there's one name that gets the credit, <laughs> but that person has not been alone at all. Yeah. Like an author of a book, you know, or the person who, you know, the person who wins best actor or something at the, at the awards, they always thank in a whole list of people, right? And so like, no, 
Me personally, I've never done anything great on my own. If, if I've done anything great at all, time will tell. But certainly like you can feel the difference because I've done a lot of stuff that's been more solo driven and a lot of stuff that's have people to bounce off and people who have just angles and stuff. I don't, I don't think, but I just, I love the way you put it because like we understand that that is a great experience and you talked about it in the moment. It was a great experience. So maybe in your journey, it wasn't the best preparation for what was to come after, but in, in itself, it was a great experience because of that, all that wholeness of having all that in one environment. And oh, so yeah. we actually, right. We know, so we know that, so we can, we can extract that and put it in a different kind of model, like starting online, which is what we've done. So even though it's like the beauty of uh, zoom and everything is that you can still have this face-to-face -face interaction like we're having now, but also we're hoping that it helps people find people in their part of the world too, that are actually very like-minded like them. So if we get two people in Brazil who are in the same kind of area, they can actually then meet up and have a, you know, then have that kind of sense of community, hopefully in person. So that's like, you know, that's, we write about that at the end of the book, at the end of 18 and lost, like the start of that community and some of the stories that have come out of it and people's projects and their work. And it's funny that just like, it just makes everything easier. And we kind of have the technology now where we can make it in a cheap, very cheap and affordable way for people online who can't have that in person. And I think that's a big part of that future. And so it's like the solution territory. Yeah, no, that's a phenomenal point of bringing that community to people, but allowing them to join. And then hopefully as the community grows, it adds and it adds. And then you find people where you are, or if you go somewhere else, you know, theoretically, there's other exactly. people there. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was interested in was how, so you yourself, you said you didn't um, necessarily like one of the differentiating factors between your university experience and, and Scott's was that you just didn't take advantage of some of mm -hmm. the things that you had access to. And so how do you break down? Cause the internet is a lot bigger than a college campus. And so how do you one bring kind of that sense of community, but also provide access to, to just all of these random things in life. Like I never thought I'd work at a hackathon or like do work yeah. with them or do half the things I ended up doing. But, you know, a lot of times it came down to, there was a person that, that was there that was really cool, or there was something yeah. that I saw, like maybe the marketing was awesome or whatever. There's like those minor little touch points that really make a yeah. big and like online you don't necessarily get kind of the same thing so how do you kind of navigate that in a digital world yeah so the beautiful word i i use to describe what you're talking about is incidentals so it's those things that happen incidentally and they're not like you're not directly pursuing them you might not even be directly looking for them but they kind of find their way into your path and that so like designing a model where the incidentals are plentiful is really important. And you're, you're definitely right. It's, it's uh, definitely easier in a physical environment, like where you're walking around, kind of like if anyone wants to imagine walking around in a game, a video game, and you kind of bump into things and you see things as you go. It's actually the way a journey works. A real journey works that way. Like my whole philosophy of everything I do, I wrap it up in one analogy about doors. I call it the thousand doors. And it's all about that. Like you, you look at an opportunity in front of you as a door and you don't know what lies behind it. You always have the awareness of what you have now, which is 
I'm here, I'm studying IT, I'm an IT person. And then you see something that interests you and you don't know what lies behind it, but you open that door and it turns out to be a, a hackathon or something like that. And you go, this is great. I didn't know this existed. And then once you're in that, you're in a new room and there's more doors in that room. So that the hackathon sort of experience can then lead you somewhere else. And that's actually how a journey really moves. Like an ex, because uh, most people don't really predict what they're going to be doing. <laughs> they come in here thinking, this is my plan. Most people, like none of the authors in our book were doing a year on or whatever, whenever they left high school, exactly what they thought they'd be doing. So we, we certainly, I don't say, I wouldn't say we've perfected it, but we're, we're started, which is something. And a lot of it is just coming up with the excuses for people to come together because that's what normally triggers the sparks. So, you know, we've, we've got this book, 18 and Lost, which again was, was really powerful because instead of spending years floundering around thinking about, I might write a book one day, we just got five weeks and we got these people together and said a retreat. And then we're writing this book. And then so much has come just from that. Like I, cause you don't know their names. It would confuse you if I explained it, but this person met this person. And this person. I think I actually, my girlfriend for, for the start of the year, I met her through like one of the people who actually met through, you know, <laughs> being author of the book, funnily enough through Instagram and stuff like, it's just very funny. Like all the random things that come out of it. So we're actually, one of the things we've started doing in the community is like a book in a week program. And we'll probably do that every three months or so. And we want to do the same thing where we actually bring people together in groups and teams to, to kind of write a book for the experience and the learning of it. And then they can decide if that book is actually something that should, you know, go ahead and, and have its own journey, which would be cool. But I think, yeah, people will need the prompt, I think is your point. And I agree. So we're always trying to find new ways to give people the prompt. Some of them happen without you having to do anything just because people are talking. And as long as people are talking, meeting new people, but I think projects if it's online projects and things to do and calls to action to do those things. So we approach a lot of people one-on-one -on -one saying, Oh, I think you'd be good for this. And they go, Oh, I'd never thought of doing something like that. And they go, and you know, and then that's that moment. That's the door. And then they might, they might kind of open at that door and go in a whole direction. They never would have gone on if you hadn't said anything. And so I come back to like the problem with education. I think one of the biggest things, if we go back to like the, the big picture of education is that I don't think we can really have a mass product that solves like the education people need. We're doing our best to think about what models are scalable and can like reach people. And we've got community members in Nigeria. We've got community members in you know England, in Malaysia. And so it's all right, we can reach. But again, like you need the intimate small touches it reminds me of like you know there, there are good teachers and there are there are not so good teachers but like the stories you hear about good teachers they have a class of 20 or 30 and they they know enough about each individual to try to kind of focus on how that individual's journey is going and so most of our systems we don't have people looking at us that way even on a family level, like sometimes it just the family, the typical family dynamic is not like families don't have like reviews of how the, you know, like formal reviews of how, like that's weird. So it's not even like, it's, it's almost like beyond a family's kind of the expectation of a family dynamic, but like maybe that, 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 you know, nuclear family, but then we have to think about family as a bigger concept. 
And uh, I think that that's the beauty to come back to it is like that individual when we're actually looking out for each other. So because the community is like early, like it's mainly me and Liam Hounsler, who's the kind of main community builder alongside me. And we're always talking about this person would be good for this. This person's got this excuse, but they'd be great at going ahead and doing it and, and stuff like that. But that's really important too. And that's, I think, you know, when I use that doors kind of little analogy, I kind of use that to wrap everything together. My, my kind of call to action is always like, you know, open doors for others. That's the importance. And then if we, if we establish a culture like that in some, something like the community where you've got this space where you can just be yourself because everyone like it's, it's safe. You don't have to worry about how, how you look. And if people have that kind of sense that they open doors for one another, then hopefully that is uh, something that people just do for each other a lot. Because I guess when you, open, when you open a door for someone, like you help someone realize something for them, it's just a great, it's a great feeling, but then it can just come back to you in so many ways too. So it's interesting thing about, you know, culture is powerful. If we can, if we can ask questions about culture and generate new cultures in small pockets in, in community spaces, It'll be interesting to see how we use that to maximize, but it's a great pickup about what I'd call the incidentals. It's a really, really important point. It's how innovation really works. Steve Jobs was big on that. He wanted physical environments for everything. And he always wanted to design them to maximize the interactions between people. He says, innovation doesn't happen in emails and stuff. It happens with people colliding and the mishmash of ideas. And that's, that's like social challenge. It's like, let's do that. Let's do that better. Let's do that better. A lot of points. So first I want to kind of, so I went to, I went to a private school and we had, I don't know, I had the biggest graduating class at the time. And so this was seven years ago, which was like at 95 people or something. So fairly small in comparison, but also not like 10 people. So there was a good mix, but also, you know, one of the pros for private schools is having those smaller classrooms, which definitely had like pros and cons. And I enjoyed kind of being a face and everyone knew who I was at school. We had like a thousand kids across 14 different grades and so I'd gone there for nine years by the time I left and I knew a lot of people and kind of all that but one of the things that I felt like I was missing was that in my experience see I was always a good student but there wasn't ever I liked art but I didn't really like any of like the quote-unquote like classes that you were supposed to take and that were like necessary and so I didn't I either I also didn't connect with a teacher and so I never had anyone who was kind of like my big cheerleader telling me like, oh, Taylor, mm. you know, you'd be really good at this or, you know, you should try like looking at these things. And like even throughout college, I mean, I'm pretty good at figuring out what I want, but every once in a while, like I need someone to just like ride my ass and like just tell me to like go do something because like I know I want it, but you're like, there's that hesitation when you're like attempting to do it for the first time. and. So I think in, with that model in particular, like super cool having like the 20, 30 people, but I think it also takes like a very special person to be willing to pay enough attention to people. Cause I think there's the difference between the, the teacher that comes in the classroom and just spiels off information from, you know, the lesson plan and the one who, you know, calls kids in for like private sessions or like really gets to know what they want and kind of, pays attention to the little emotional signals that they send and like how can you actually, you know, be of use and provide value for that student is like very transformational and I'd be mm -hmm. super interested to see like how that kind of pans out and what the future of that, because if that can be honed in, 
I swear, like, <laughs> the program would just zip off and, you know, you'd change. That would just change, like, so many, so many lives. Like, it's just the notion of, you know, knowing that someone believes in you and isn't a family member because uh, that makes a huge difference as well when it's not like your mom and dad or grandma and grandpa that are like, oh, yeah, you're a great student. You got this. You're going to change the world. It's, it's an external person. And I think what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, no, I agree with the projects. I think I think you had said something about like, you know, how creating projects and bringing people together was like the way to do it. And um, I was reading about project-based learning actually last week, but I definitely agree in like having it, making it real world scenarios and like problems that you're trying to solve, I think allows for that switch almost. Cause I remember sitting in class and I'm sure you probably had the same thing where you're like working on some problem where like Jimmy has 10,000 pairs of shoes that he needs to figure out how to stuff in his house or I don't know, like something absurd like that. That's like <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, yeah. not gonna ever take place in real life and so there's that disconnect there where you're like I don't need to know this this is never going to be implemented how can you use all of those different facets for creating a project and then something that's applicable so I mean I'd be super stoked like how does that look and then making the kid the kid allowing them to kind of build something that's actually of interest and you know then sharing or trying to get others to like build that up and see what becomes of it major points major <laughs> points the first thing i thought of one word i thought of when you're saying the first part which is choice and maybe better phrase is opt-in and so i always you know what people opt into is very powerful and the fact that they've opted in normally makes a difference rather than it's something they're obliged to do or that they they feel obliged to do or that they do for the wrong reason and when you talk about the teacher thing, the teacher thing probably comes back into the whole, probably comes down to two things that are related. I'd say one is the, the culture of schools. I say it's saying even primary or, or, you know, high school or whatever. So like the junior. And I was talking to a, a head of a big school in Sydney yesterday, remarkable lady. <laughs> was just talking about like, she's, she's critical. Like the whole schooling system is designed to fit towards this very narrow outcome, which is get people into say university, which is not a bad thing to happen. College, right? Not a bad thing to happen. You had a great time there. A lot of people do great experiences, probably a few things that could, you know, but the whole thing is so geared towards it that it blocks out. Like, so you have to, like, they have to make us, even though she's aware, they can't, there's certain boxes they have to tick that inevitably impact the culture of a school. And that's why when you have a culture that does not like push exactly where it should be going, it takes out, it takes people who are really willing to push against the current or willing to take the initiative to become those kind of superstar teachers. They have the willingness, they have the drive to do it. When you have people there because they need a job and that's what they studied or you know, or like they're stressed because they're, 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 their students don't get the marks or whatever it might be or something like that. When you have the wrong outcomes distracting people, the behaviors head, head in the wrong direction. And that's the impact of a culture. And then you might think about a lot of those teachers might be there for the very same things like we're talking about with education in general and the pathway you go on and that you, you land in something 
maybe you weren't really that aware of your options. You saw it through because you felt like you had to see it through. And then that's, those were the jobs you could get. And maybe a lot of our teachers are actually a product of the same thing that we're kind of, and it's perpetuating itself. And so, but when you choose, so in our community, like we, we've identified some people in the community, probably they're the sort of people in a lot of like everyday kind of professions that like become like coaches and like very personal kind of, and what, what I think a lot of them are, they're actually really amazing people who really want to help other people. And they're mostly the job description they're most commonly found in is like being a coach and something like that. Motivational kind of roles and therapy and, and, and very, and that spectrum, it's very broad spectrum. And what we believe for the future of our community is that they will make kind of great, we're thinking of calling them gardens or gardeners in that they're given a little garden to nourish. Like a garden is an intimate, small thing rather than a big farm where a farm is a batch bay. And that reflects our education. When I said mass product, you know, a farm is like a mass product. Everything's uniform. Everything's the same. That's how our system works. Now we push everyone towards the average. It's been the same. We give them all the same thing. How can everyone need the same thing? No way. No way. I'm not buying that for a second. So the concept of, you know, gardens and having people in the community who may, who might, you know, like people like that who might look after a small group of people and be more focused to them. And the difference is that because they've opted in for that specifically, instead of forcing people to do that, it might even be something where we don't even pay people to do it. Because sometimes if, if you're something like that, if you, if you, you know, pay people to do it, it's their main source of income, then sometimes they're doing it just for the job. But when it's like, this is something I want to do, they can only do it if they really want to do it because they really enjoy helping people. And so I start to think about those as some of the triggers we can pull. And that's, you know, again, like when I'm talking about, it'd be great to find and work with the community and all this stuff to try and find scalable solutions to the problems we're talking about in the book, um, about this, just this journey, like it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. It creates mental health problems in a very real way and, and everything and underutilizes people and sets them on the wrong course for their life. <laughs> So like very, very big thing to focus on, you know, but then, so find a big scalable solution, but those scalable solutions will probably actually just be systems that get implemented in small, very close, high touch, you know, situations. And yeah, it's like always something to like, so that's like, that's just a hypothesis, you know, and then we, we tinker with that and then other people tinker with stuff like that. And then we sort of had to figure, but that is everything. And a lot of, I, I know that, when I felt it, when someone believes in me, because there's inevitably going to be a time when you're low on belief. Mm -hmm. It's called being a human being. That happens to me all the time still. And I've, I've done a lot of things. I got no reason to not be confident, had, you know, some wonderful people I've been put in touch with that are very significant and endorsed the book and blah, blah. But still the human brain is just this complex thing. And so it's always great to then be in the, even the community for me, to always be close to someone who says, thanks for this, Joe, like this meant a lot and being here means a lot. And then that's your reactivation. But then, yeah, a lot of, you know, when it's, it's very big, for, a lot of young people don't have much confidence too, because they haven't built it up, right? Because they're in this crazy, scary world. And so giving them that once they've left school is super important too. Well, you're not necessarily taught, you know, how to have confidence like confidence is typically associated with gaining what uh, 
whether it's awards, certificates, or, or status of some sort. And even then, like, you're not necessarily taught how to handle, like, confidence in a way that's, like, healthy and will continue on, like, a path. Like, sometimes, you know, you get overconfident and maybe you become, like, an asshole or you're, like, rude to people and kind of you go down that road and you have to kind of navigate how do you step back? Should you choose to step back and, and be confident and be but then also be humble when you need to be humble and, and kind of know when to show humility and everything. I mean, I personally wish that that was taught and that was something that I had to come into my own and figure out, you know, I'm actually good at X, Y, and Z and I should be able to tell others that I'm good at that or like show, you know, shoulders back and physically show as well that I'm good at this. I belong here. And, and I think there's kind of, there's also a lot of that, like, you know, you, you sort of have to grow into some of it. I do understand like it comes with age and just kind of knowing that it's okay to be here. But then I think also at the same time, like, you know, you can walk into a room at 18 and I don't know if you're necessarily smarter as a spectrum, but like you've done a lot at 18. Yeah. You've lived a lot and everything. And so you should be able to walk in somewhere and be able to talk or compete or do whatever you need to do with everyone else there. I firmly believe that. Mm, mm. confidence is a very complicated thing i reckon i i look i was a kind of very nerdy high achiever at high school like i i don't say that to brag because it actually had downsides and there's a wonderful framework that carol dweck dr carol dweck is like the leader of like the fixed versus growth mindset which is really fascinating for anyone to, to look into and read into we talk about it in the community a lot and, you know, fixed mindset is this idea that your beliefs, sorry, that your abilities are fixed, set in place. So in other words, you're either born, an extremely fixed mindset would be, it's a spectrum like anything else. Extremely fixed mindset might be you are born smart. So if you're not smart, it's just because like, you're just not a smart person. That doesn't change. So it's the idea that it's kind of locked in. And the thing with fixed mindset is that you normally build a lot of identity around those abilities you have. So that was definitely me. So when I left high school, feeling like I was always the smart kid, it was my identity. It was a badge I walked around with. When at university, I didn't do as well. I still did, still did fine, but I didn't do as well. It was like, oh, what the hell? And so, cause I'm, you know, when you're looking to keep that image of yourself as a smart person, it creates anxiety that you might be losing it. And so you start, it's very often you find you know, external things to blame for why something's not wrong. The system's wrong. That's wrong. In her book, Mindset, she like, she makes example of John McEnroe, like the tennis player who's always, you know, you cannot be serious and like <laughs> always throwing the tantrums and everything because it's so, it's so, but growth mindset is the opposite. Growth is like, you almost enjoy a challenge, something you can't do because you enjoy the process of figuring it out. And that when you think about confidence in that sense, it's not necessarily even related to ability, but it's almost like a just acceptance of reality. And the reality is that you kind of get better when you do things. The Another kind of, not to keep slagging the education system, but like one of the ways this farm-based approach is almost like if you imagine like a farm and like crops, and it's like, it's almost like when you're the crop that's not tall enough, you're kind of criticized in a way, like you don't meet the standard, you're held behind or, you know, we, we're taught we have to do things right the first time in, in school. Like you get a mark and that's your mark. It's not an iterative process. 
Whereas in business, I fail all the time. That's, in fact, it's all I do. I just keep failing on the way to like making it better. So it's like a, if it's a, a grade, it's like I get a 10 out of 20 and then I'm getting an 11 out of 20 and a 12. And it's actually, they're the steps I need to go through because it's so, I can't start at 20. I haven't done it before. It's new. No one's done it before. There's no one to study from. Every, every business is like its own degree that you're the only, you're the first person to ever do it. So there's no one to actually, people can guide you who've done similar things, but like there's no one to actually tell you the A to B. So you have to fail to do new creative things and make a contribution to society. Yet we're conditioned for a very long period of time to feel like when you don't get, you know, the marks, it's, you know, to get it right when you do the test. Mm-hmm. And that creates a lot of fear and it creates a lot of fixed mindset because you come out with these labels about your abilities. I'm the dumb person. I, I have a friend who, you know, he wasn't that academically bright at school. Very funny guy, lovely guy, great with people. But he was, and he asked me about the book when I was started posting about it. We did a retreat last year and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? And I was explaining like what we're doing and why. And he's like, oh, you know, interesting. And I remember thinking in that moment and it made me like very sad because he wasn't like, you know, didn't tip, wasn't as the bright kind of kid at school. I thought, wow, you know, I wonder if when we finished school, high school, if anyone said to him, I can't wait to see what you do in the world. Hmm. Like a lot of people said that to me, I was very lucky in that sense, because I was a winner of that school system. I was, I was fine in an academic context at high school anyway. But, and I remember, you know, it's nice to have that support, but I was like, I didn't say it to him. So who said, who, who, if anyone said that to him, but you think about the difference, what you talked about, and I'm glad you raised it. Think about what the difference is when we do give people that message. It's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Very powerful statement. Right? But most people don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then we, then we left with a, a society and we, we always look around and I don't know about you. And it's like a Jordan Peterson thing. He goes, I walk around every day wondering how's this all holding together? Hasn't this all burnt down yet? Human beings are nuts. You know, how does this still, how have we blown each other up? And, you know, and that's like the, what with it, but then I can't, I can't sometimes help thinking the opposite, which is like, how have we not given people that love and that belief and focused on what they are good at and help them realize that what they're good at actually has value and has value. It can, has value in a career setting, has value in a family setting and, and all this stuff. And, and like, we do not have that environment. Like you get lucky at the moment, you discover things, you, you, you discovered a lot of things, but also you found like challenges after you, after you left college, I discovered a lot of things at high school because it was all facilitated for me. It was a place where I could go try. I loved high school. I could go do all these different things and it was all in one place, just like you talked about. That's why I do believe in the concept of the campus. But then we go into an environment where we don't have that. And that's what I did. And I I was scared and I was lost. You know, I was definitely lost. I called it three dead years in the book. I just didn't know what I was doing. And I felt like I was going nowhere. 
it wasn't so I called six out of 10 life. Like it wasn't so bad that I was like, this is like, it, it was like not, yeah. So it's like when it's not that bad, you don't make a change and you just stick with it. But, and, and I started to think like, wow, maybe I'm not, maybe people don't live eight, nine or 10 at like, maybe that's not re realistic in life. Maybe this is life is a six out of 10 feeling or seven out of 10 feeling. Maybe it never changes. And like it changed and, and it shouldn't be. If you're listening, just, you know, please like no, uh, <laughs> you know, want to like make sure that that's clear. Like it, it should, it should be like way better. It should, it really should. But you know, how many people are, are thinking that right now? Cause they're not, they're not looking for a solution cause they don't think there is one. Cause people don't like, yeah, people, they look around. Yeah. No one likes their jobs. So that's normal. So I'll keep going on and not like my job. And people will very rarely be practical rather than fitting the mold of what's around them. They'll very rarely do what makes sense over just doing what the majority of people around them are doing. And that's why culture is everything. Cause when the opposite in the community, like that's, it's the opposite. It's like the culture is everyone's doing their thing here. And so that's why I believe in that. It doesn't have to be the constitution. If anything, hopefully we just um, make it more normal to have this kind of online community model, which is a great way to start these things. Matt doesn't, I don't really care. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the whole world constitution, but like the concept of it, of like having a culture, which is not six out, you know, not like everyone doesn't like their jobs and everyone just does this, 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 and they follow each other, but where actually everyone finds their thing, but not just finds their thing. I don't want to make that myth. Like it's this one thing you find, like finds their next thing. And then there's always a next thing, a next thing, next thing, next thing. And like, I, I rattled off my journey. When you asked, you know, introduce yourself. And it's like you said, you know, very cunningly, it's interesting what people think is important about them and how they answer. I love telling that right now because it shows that it's not this linear path. Because my experience makes no sense as a plan. And it wasn't, it wasn't planned. I've hopped from maybe five different industries and I'll, I'll probably have 20 in about, you know, five years. I got a long list of things that so a lot of them just fun, you know, like making a sitcom and stuff like that, you know, but, and, and that's why I think I do like to emphasize that a lot at the moment. Cause like I'm here, I'm alive. I didn't crash and burn or I kind of did, but you know, like it's, 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 it's doable, but it's also the reality that people are not one thing. Like people are one thing, which is people. They're not a job title. Not a job title. That is something I wish that people would put on t-shirts, walk around with. like <laughs> Put on billboards. Yeah, like really, I just think that whole aspect. But I mean, I fall victim to it as well. Like one, it's just a very easy conversation starter with people. Like I, I don't want yeah, it. To. It is. And I kind of like there was a point in time where um, like right now I have a nine to five job and whatever, do other stuff on the side as well as this. But there's yep. a point in time where I was like solely doing freelancing. I was also working at like Home Depot and kind of doing just an odd number of jobs, just trying to make money and just figure out what I wanted to do. And I always felt so uncomfortable when somebody asked me what I did because I had ah, no idea how to and answer the feeling yeah. and I have it now. I don't know how to answer. You pick I it do, up. I, I do not know how it's that question I struggle with most of all the questions I ask all the time. This I 
They don't know. And actually I edit it based on who I'm talking to. A lot of people, because I still have this real estate business. And sometimes I just say that to be very honest, that's not something I'm proud of, but just because it's a simpler answer. Because mm -hmm. I can tell that in that interaction, they kind of want to, it's a small talk. Yes. Yeah. You get that out of the way and move on. But you know, what do, what, what do I do? The real answer to that question is I open doors for others. That's what I do. It takes many forms. So of all the job titles, I say the one main job title is I'm a doorman. I was about to say that was on your website. So you better be telling people that that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, yeah, that's for me, that's what it is. Um, it's about, and I love the doorman because, you know, normally our social game now is to kind of, if you like the very like cynical version of our kind of social game now is like get the most impressive job title you can. And that's like, uh, if this, if life was a video game or capitalism was a video game, that's like winning. It's like having the fancy job title, but I like doorman because it's kind of the opposite. It's like the person who opens the door, you know, and then you forget them after you've gone through, but like they opened the door and got you in, mm -hmm. you know, and that's like when you talk about when I believe that life really is that it's all these random doors that get opened up and you take that direction. It's nothing you could have planned because you're not aware of it yet. You're an 18 year old who doesn't know anything about the world. And if you don't like hearing that, then you're the ones that we're worried about. If you're happy to hear it, you're the ones that will be okay. But you just haven't experienced it yet to know what opportunities will follow the opportunities you're looking at. And that's so, but then the beauty is like just opening that door for people and then being content to be forgotten, you know, once they've gone through, but just hoping that they'll do the same as well. And that's, I don't know, that's just, what I believe in, because you know that's 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 the best answer I, I've got for what I do. If I um, come up with a better one, I'll, I'll let you know, Taylor. <laughs> well, two points off of that, and then I have four final questions for you. The first of which is Tim Ferriss. I think it's in Four Hour Work Week, but it could be in one of his other books. Yeah. But he talks about how he would tell people he was like a drug dealer or like some like really oh uh, yeah i've heard that yeah the second like people would be like oh my gosh are you serious and and he would kind of tell whether or not you know, those people were like worth going in him, like diving into what he does or who he is and based off of their reactions, which I thought was like super interesting and kind of like at least helped me but he's crazy. a bit more <laughs> at ease with that. So, but I mean, Doorman is like super cool on, on the fact that, you know, most people are chasing notoriety and all of these other awards to place on the wall and they want their name to be known and I mean, having your name known definitely helps because then that feeds into what you're trying to do. But That's then, it. you know, you're ultimately like not chasing that. And there's something very special about just building something for the pure fact of helping others. And like, that's your mission is, is others. Mm. It's not really about Joe. It's mm. about Joe helping them get to where X, Y, and Z may then eventually lead them. Mm. Well, I have nothing to chase. <laughs> I have everything. Everything. I have everything. Yeah. I have everything. Well, there you go. And I, it was this experience in Nepal. I was 21 and just that experience opened a lot of doors and I met a couple of people or one guy in particular, we call him Gilly. He's older. He comes in the community. He's a, he's a real kind of Socrates for us and everything, but you know, a lot of that. And then the gift I was given at a very young age was to realize that the things most people were chasing after are not worth chasing after. I didn't learn the lesson right away. It's definitely taken a couple of years to really sink in. It was like five years ago now. 
but and most of the time I'm good at remembering that. I don't always remember it too, but I remember that I actually have nothing to chase. This is just me being me. So there's nowhere to go. I'm here. I've arrived. <laughs> and it's just simple. It's simple, you know, but it doesn't feel that way. A lot of we've distracted ourselves. So yeah, that's why it's easy to kind of use that doorman thing because I'm not, there's, yeah, there really isn't nothing to chase in that sense, but there are things to do maybe. So it's a bit of a paradox, but we, we do our best. <laughs> we do our best. Well, beautiful. I love it. I want to respect your time and, and the rest of your day. So we're going to wrap up with four final questions that I tend to ask everyone. The first of which is, so you've written a book, but this is, if you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Oh, well, if I have to go past the obvious one, which is the doorman, I think, so I'll come up with the second one just to make it a bit more interesting. And if I had a book written about me, what will, what will it be titled? Like, it'd probably be called like, he gave it a real go. Okay, cool. All right. The next one is you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted with you what would you do? I'd, I'd probably stay where I am and bring all the people and probably in our community to me and, and fly them, fly them all here for an in-person together. That'd probably be it. I also have a, I have my own version of this question to ask everyone, which is if you same thing, but five years to live <laughs> and not so much the money thing which is interesting because when it's five years, people have to think because they can't throw caution to the wind. So I always love, I always love thinking a bit about death without being morbid because it makes you normally makes you clearer. So mm -hmm. thanks for the question. Thanks for the great yeah. question. That's what I do. Yeah. All right. Next one is would Joe at eight, 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick around that range, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? Be ecstatic. Yeah. yeah beautiful that's what i love hearing that's my favorite answer when people tell me that most times it tends to be that but sometimes it's, it's either a no or it's you know maybe they didn't know their job existed or they were on a very narrow you know mindset yeah. growing yeah. up it's always very cool to, to hear that they are i think so i actually don't really know i'm just guessing that's <laughs> yeah, a good guess i, I probably <laughs> all right Last one is what do you want to accomplish either personally, professionally, and or both in the next six to 12 months? Great question. I think I, I just want to see, you know, other young people taking strides to do the best thing they can be doing at that point in time. I know that's a bit vague, but I, I don't know a number. I'd be happy with like 10 you know, probably like, and when, when someone's like fresh 18, it's probably just like a very exploring things really well with a really open mind. It might not be they've started all these businesses or written all these books or anything like that. I'm super like impressed by young people who haven't done anything like CV wise yet, but they've just taken such a beautiful way of looking at the world and exploring it. I'm so impressed by those people. I always try and help them you know, because like you attracted to those people so much, but then especially in our community, like if we can help young people really kind of take big strides with their dreams, like way earlier than they expect 
and, and give them things to work on they didn't think they were capable of working on, it really sends a powerful, pardon me, really sends a powerful message. And so by focusing on the few, I think we can help the many in that respect. So I guess, it, you know, 10 people like that, 10 great stories, that's probably would be the focus. Thank you. Because now I can go ahead and focus on that. <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll come uh, chat you in six to 12 months. And, and yeah, yeah, we'll see how we go. That. Thanks you, so much. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, sharing your wisdom, hearing your stories and just like your journey Likewise. and your building. Very generous having me. So thank you very much. And yeah, the book comes out 18th September. So if anyone that it's relevant to anyone, feel free to read it. But also I'm very, especially at this stage, I'm very happy for people to just reach out to me. I always encourage people to reach out, have a conversation. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear about, you know, if anything particular to say, just want to say hi. I really encourage that. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. My name will be in the episode so you can look me up in many ways. So yeah, excited to meet people. Thank you. My two takeaways from my conversation with Joe are first, open doors for others and doors will open for you. It's more about giving and trying to help them get to where they want to go. The second is community matters and it's so important, especially in this day and age, to think about how you can cultivate one that crosses borders and oceans that ultimately will help people all experiencing the same thing no matter where they live. And if you can do that and you can do it right, that right there is the key to making anything successful because you're taking people and you're giving them something. You're giving them a backing of people and a product or a service and you're showing them that you care about what they want to do with their lives and everybody wants to be cared and loved for and so knowing that you can do that and create that environment even when you're in a completely different country is amazing Thank you.